Today, my name is Evelyn Aka. I'm the founder and managing lawyer of Aka Business Immigration Law. We are based in Calgary, Alberta, and we have two offices in Toronto and Vancouver, Canada as well. I focus primarily on cross-border NAFTA immigration law for professionals as well as families and individuals looking to move to Canada or move to the United States. I would like to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Ask Canada Immigration Lawyer Evelyn Aka. Thank you so much for joining me today. We're going to talk about all things related to criminal inadmissibility, for Canadians and Americans crossing the border or other people entering from other countries into Canada and the United States. In my 20 years of practicing law, one of the most common areas of concern and stress related to crossing borders is related to criminal inadmissibility, the ability to uh, enter without any concern, even as a visitor or as a tourist, to come into Canada and in the U.S. For, for vacation, for work, for all of the reasons people travel and enter Canada and the United States. Um, I hope that I'll be able to provide a good overview of the issue of criminal inadmissibility and how to overcome it so that you can enter Canada without concern or stress. Something I always tell my clients is historically, um, the U.S. and Canada didn't share as much information and it wasn't as technologically focused. So what I mean by that is in the past, things were on microfiche even, for instance, and it would take time for people to find that you might have had a criminal record um, because I get people all the time now who are stopped on a regular basis because now they've been deemed to be inadmissible, even though they've been traveling back and forth for up to 30 years, 40 years. It's because now U.S. and Canadian immigration are sharing more information, and it's now electronic. So as a result, it's immediate. So if something happens, even a charge where you have not yet been convicted and you try to cross into one of the two countries, you will immediately be flagged and sent into secondary for review. And depending on the charge itself, the officer may turn you back and say that until this conviction or sorry, this charge goes away, you are now inadmissible and you can't try again to enter until everything is resolved. So today we're going to talk about that and what the implications are for people who might have one um, charge conviction from, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago. Maybe it's a DUI. Uh, maybe it's, a, you know, an assault charge and conviction. There are a number of really common ones we see. A lot of the times it is um, it is DUI or it is possession of marijuana uh, or some you know illicit drugs, a small amount that they were convicted of um, that may not have caused problems before, but now they are causing them to be found to be inadmissible. And we're going to talk about how to overcome those in Canada and the United States to help you so that, for instance, if your job requires you to travel, you're still able to go across the border um, if needed, so long as you have enough time to prepare and get everything um, going. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's talk first about coming to Canada. As I said, it's very common that um, I'll get a call from somebody once we send our Canadian immigration questionnaire. It's what starts the whole process for us at ACA Law. 
And one of the questions we ask is, have you ever been fingerprinted? Have you ever been charged? Have you ever been convicted? And we have to explicitly indicate, even for DUI or DWI, some people consider them to be um, traffic offenses, and they may be in certain countries, but the way it's viewed in Canada and the United States, it is viewed as a criminal offense. And so that would likely make you inadmissible if the authorities at the border or the airport um, find that information on your record um, tied to your passport, they will then deem you inadmissible. So, you know, it's, it's really quite um, common. And I always try to tell my clients, like, yes, we, people make mistakes and things happen. And for instance, now you're the president of a large multinational company and you've been traveling for years and years and had no trouble. But now you've been flagged. And it's because now everything is electronic. And so the cross-border movement is becoming more difficult. And sometimes you'll even forget they even had something that happened when they were 20 years old and now they're 60. You know, it's very common. And if you can't remember and you don't tell your lawyer that you're working with them, um, then you go to the airport. That will be quite the surprise to find that something shows up. So what we have to do when we get that call is determine how long ago it occurred. I even had a case of, of a very elderly grandmother who had had something happen and she was in her 20s. And now she's in her 70s and she vacations, you know, for six months of the year when it's cold in Canada, in, in the U.S., somewhere hot. And she was flagged on her most recent entry. And it was shocking because she says, I have property down there. I'm there every year. Absolutely. But this goes to show that more and more integration is taking place between U.S. CBP and Canadian Border Service Agency. And so we had to tell her, unfortunately, for the winter season that was coming up, she could not go to the United States until we could clear up her inadmissibility. So the way we do that is we apply for a visa waiver. Obviously, the more time that has passed is better for the individual applying. But if it's something recent and you have a very strong or compelling reason why you need to travel to the United States, we will do our very best in the application. So what we have to do is apply for a visa waiver. And the way it works is we have to look at the charge. So let's assume the charge and conviction took place in Canada. Let's say it was shoplifting. And we have to look at it. And then we have to look at what the penalty would be. So generally for something like that, if it's a small amount of money that's involved or the product that was taken, it would be less than five years of a sentence if you, know, if you were sentenced in Canada. We look at that and then we look at what are the compelling reasons. So if, for instance, she has property, she vacations every year. Um, we had to explain that this happened 50 years ago and that since then she's been an outstanding member of society. So when we do a visa waiver application, we also include reference letters, employer letters, degrees, resume, um, anything we can to show that, that this person has really rehabilitated themselves. And then with the fee, they have to take the whole package we put together, the legal letter, and then they go to the airport or the border and they have to be fingerprinted. And then they have to have a, a picture taken and they submit their application at the airport or the border for processing. One of the issues with the visa waiver program is that it takes 
quite a while, six to nine months on average, to be able to get a decision. So that means for that six to nine month period, based on their processing times, you cannot enter Canada, or sorry, you cannot enter the United States. And you have to wait until you get notification that you've been approved in order to travel. And so that is obviously a hardship for some people. It could affect their employment situation, their family situation. They can't just go on a trip to Disneyland with everybody else because because um, they're barred from entry. But once the visa waiver comes in and you receive the visa waiver, then you can travel. But that means every time you travel, you must take the visa waiver with you in your passport to present. And they have to be satisfied that nothing new has occurred since that last conviction. And so in addition to the, the material outlined, we include legal letter, reference letters, possibly employer letters, bank letters, anything you know that shows you're stable and financially fit and contributing to the economy. Um, and we also sometimes include, you know, what the compelling reason is if you have to travel. And we also do a personal statement. So we ask our client to write for themselves in their own words what took place here? What happened that day? Um, where were you? What were the circumstances of your life? You know, were you having a tough time? Were you taking drugs? Or, you know, was there some crisis that led to the event? So that we can provide some context as well as we get an updated police certificate to prove that there's nothing else on the record um, since that conviction. And then if, uh, if possible, we even try to get the court records of the, of the situation so that the, we provide as much information to help USCBP make their decision um, in a timely manner with confidence that they are not letting somebody into the United States that would be a risk to the to the U.S. public. Once the application is submitted and you get your approval, as I said, it takes six to nine months. So we need to plan quite far in advance. What we're finding is we're only receiving one year, possibly two years. And that means, unfortunately, until things change with U.S. Uh, immigration law, you will need to keep doing these visa waivers on a regular basis if you want to travel. If you want to travel regularly without um stress and without concern of being turned away, every year or every two years, you will have to apply for a new visa waiver and give yourself that six to nine months to prepare for um, the, for the processing time. Uh, one of the our cases I was mentioning of a, a senior citizen was very kind. A U.S. immigration gave her a five-year visa waiver, and we were very grateful because that means for her she doesn't have to reapply again until probably at the four-month at the four-year mark she'll have to reapply. So that is how it works in order to deal with criminal charges and convictions to the United States. I have another client who was in the process who has just been charged and unfortunately tried to travel. Um, it was really quite shocking. Within two days, all the information was shared with U.S. immigration and he was turned back, even though he had not been proven guilty, even though he hadn't even had a court date set and he had to go for business, he could not travel simply because of the nature of the charge that took place. So this is really important for you to think about. It works very differently on, on the Canadian side, I have to say, and I'm very pleased about that. In Canada, we have different means to deal with criminal inadmissibility. 
So unless there are any questions, I'm just going to continue on. Um, for us, if you are deemed to be criminally inadmissible, let's say you're coming from the US, the UK, you have something like a DUI, an assault charge, um, Sometimes it'll be theft, burglary. Those are more of the common things we've seen over the years. Um, and you've been convicted or even charged. That is at the discretion, of course, of the officer. But generally we say, how long ago did this take place? And we have to do that assessment so that we can determine, is it just occurring? Are you still in probation? Because if you're in the probationary period, let's say you got a one-year probation period. The clock to look ahead so that when you're eligible to apply for a temporary resident permit does not start until after the whole disposition is completed. And that means after the probation is finished. So because you maybe you serve time and you came out and you still have two years probation, the clock for looking at cleaning this up for you with respect to Canadian immigration does not start until that probation is finished and we can prove that it has been um, disposed of and is completed. So for us in Canada, we look at five years and 10 years, depending on the type of offense. If it's considered minor um, and maybe you only have one and five to 10 years have passed, depending again on what it is, you may be eligible for what is called deemed rehabilitation. And what that is, is that immigration in Canada will recognize that time has passed and that you only have one thing and that it's minor. So for instance, a DUI or a small marijuana possession charge, um, something that you've paid a fine for, but you still have a record for, something like that. Those applications can be submitted at the border, at the airport if you're an American citizen, with all the information available and then you bring what you normally would bring to present to immigration to prove that you um, that you don't have any more criminality. So, for instance, if we were to help with the package for deemed rehabilitation, in addition to our legal letter outlining our case, we would also include reference letters. We would include an updated police certificate or FBI certificate to prove that there is nothing else on your record, as well as maybe the compelling reason. Why do you need to come? Is it because you need to work? And if you need to work, um, you know, we might need to provide some information as to why you need to come into Canada for business meetings, things like that. If you have a full, complete package and you're prepped and you're presenting well, we will prep you and you will go to the airport and present it and say, I'd like to apply for deemed rehabilitation. Usually that process could take a couple hours because they have to be satisfied at CBSA that, again, you are not a risk and that there is nothing else on your record. And then to show that you are not a risk to anybody in Canada, they will then deem that you have been rehabilitated. What that means for you, for the minor convictions, um, the one, is that it goes away. Unlike the United States, where it never really goes away, at least the way things are currently working, um, it goes away in Canada under deemed rehabilitation. But let's say you have two convictions, maybe two DUIs or an assault charge, two or three of them that go back 25 years. You are not eligible at that point to apply for um, deemed rehabilitation. That means in order to come to Canada, you would need to apply for a temporary resident permit at a consulate in the jurisdiction that you're residing. Um, and you may be eligible to apply for full 
criminal rehabilitation, which I'll talk about shortly. But let's say you need to come in for business meetings or a family wedding or something, you know, that that you need to come to Canada for and you have more than one conviction, you must apply as quickly as possible to the consulate nearest you for a temporary resident permit. A TRP is basically permission by the Canadian government to come into Canada, even with your history of a conviction or two, two convictions or more, and that you've provided them with all the evidence to show that you are not a risk, that now you're an upstanding member of society, I had a case where one of my clients was quite um, had several convictions when he was in his early 20s and he had a drinking problem and he changed his life around. He became a minister of a church, you know, and had just become this incredible person because of what he'd gone through in his early 20s. And so we were able to get him a temporary resident permit because his employer required him to come to Canada and required him to have a Canadian work permit to provide cross-border activities. So that is a case for a TRP. Those take about six months, four to six months to get. So you must apply as quickly as possible when you know you need to come. The benefit of a TRP is if they know you've also applied for criminal rehabilitation, they may give you a two-year or a three-year TRP because full criminal rehab takes quite a long time. What we recommend, what we do for most of our clients that are eligible, that means at least 10 years has passed since the disposition of the conviction, the um, of the sentence, whatever the, the time they serve, the probation has passed. 10 years from that, assuming it's serious, um, then you can do both. So sometimes what we do is we will apply for both the TRP at one consulate um, in L.A., the TRPs are done. And then also New York City, We there's also criminal rehabilitation in the United States for the Canadian consulate. We send two packages so that at least they can see that we're doing both. So they may issue a two-year TRP knowing that you this, this client, this person, may qualify for full criminal rehabilitation, um, but it's going to take two years or more. So in the interim, the government is basically permitting them to enter and do their business visit their family, um, and because they have a strong sense, it will go away. And that is really the true difference between Canadian immigration and U.S. immigration when it comes to criminal inadmissibility. It can go away over time so long as nothing new has occurred that has caused any concern or criminality. One thing I notice is many people always think that having a charge doesn't make them inadmissible. And I have to tell you that it does. Even having a charge will, will and could affect your ability to enter. It's not just the conviction. And this is where there's a lot of discretion when it comes to U.S. immigration and Canadian immigration. I hear often from Canadian citizens, oh, I've already gotten a pardon. It happened when I was 20 years old. I've been pardoned. Hasn't affected my ability to work for any Canadian companies who may do criminal record checks, etc. It doesn't matter. Even if you have a Canadian pardon, it will not help you when it comes to U.S. immigration. You are still inadmissible. U.S. does not recognize Canadian pardons, and that means you will still need a visa waiver. You know, another case I have is an um, old client who was in the States. I'm not sure what happened, but he hit a pole, one of those um, poles on the side of the highway. I think he fell asleep. And instead of you know, making, making it go away, the, the officials, the highway traffic officials charged him with reckless driving. 
He was not drinking, but he hit a pole. I think he fell asleep. They charged him and convicted him with reckless driving. He paid a fine. And to this day, even though he is, you know, a senior, senior um, executive, he needs to continue renewing his visa waivers indefinitely. And I do hope that over time, U.S. immigration will change because we always think it's a bit of a cash grab. Like, it's not cheap to apply for a visa waiver. You have to do it every year and or every two years if you're lucky to get a two or three year. Very rare is that that you get a five year like the old grandmother that I mentioned earlier. Um, and so it means that you always have to think about it or you choose not to travel to the United States. That is clearly something that you can do. So all of the comments I'm making apply whether you're Canadian, American, UK, coming from the Middle East, so long as your criminal conviction or charge is is detectable through the means that immigration officials have, whether it's Interpol, RCMP, FBI, if it shows up, it will affect you. One other thing I should mention is if you have a criminal record and you need to come to Canada, you need to apply for an electronic travel authorization. Everybody can apply for them. Everybody has to, unless you're an American citizen coming to Canada. And this is where the issue of inadmissibility comes up, because in the ETA form itself, the electronic travel authorization form, which is online, which you pay a small amount for, I think it's seven bucks, you do this so that you can get a 10-year ETA to come and go. But the question is asked if you've ever been charged or convicted and if you have, for the most part, immediately you will be refused the ETA, which means you can't even get on the plane. And so you need to know in advance what to do. Sometimes you've been able to help clients um, get a temporary resident permit through the ETA process. By They tell the truth. You must tell the truth. And then we can provide information to say, I'm applying for TRP. Here's all the paperwork. I'm uploading it all to show that you're being proactive and then when you get the TRP, you will also get your ETA. So that is how it works. It'll stop you even at the front end if you don't apply. They will now have means to determine who has a criminal record before you can get on the plane. The only exception to the ETA are American citizens. Everybody else needs one. I have, um, I have a question here from somebody asking, his brother is in Mexico. What are the steps to follow if he wants to go to Canada? Well, I'm not sure this is really a criminal admissibility question. I would recommend you contact my law firm, acalaw.com. You can call us at 403-452-9515 and speak to Courtney, our intake uh, specialist, and she can help you. And we'll definitely do um, a legal strategy session uh, to discuss your brother's case. For this for this um, focus today, we're focusing on criminal inadmissibility. There are other ways to be criminally, to be inadmissible, actually, but we're not talking about that so much today. Other means uh, of being inadmissible, medical inadmissibility. If you have a serious medical condition, something that will affect your ability to be healthy in Canada or to be seen, if they see you as a burden to the healthcare system and you will have excessive demand, you could also be deemed inadmissible. If you're involved with, um, you know, um, organized crime internationally, you can be deemed to be inadmissible. So there are a number of different reasons why people are deemed inadmissible. It's not just criminal history. It can also be espionage, human or, or international war crimes. Um, I had a case years ago where somebody 
apparently was deemed to have been involved with with a genocide situation, and he was not eligible to enter Canada. So these things follow you significantly. The number is 403-452-9515, and uh, we'll be happy to help you. A criminal record is something where you have encountered the police. So wherever you are in your country, uh, in different countries, if you've encountered the police and they have charged you and or convicted you, whether you've gone to jail, whether you've served probation, whether you've had um, a fine, but it's a criminal fine that you paid, that means you will have a criminal record going forward. And that could affect your ability to enter Canada. We had another client, it's really interesting, they were bringing a number of employees to Canada for an annual, um, an annual conference of their large organization, their large company. And they had a number of people, I believe just the nature of that company, they hired a number of people who had had criminal convictions in the past when they were younger, again, as an adult up. Generally, criminal convictions don't follow you when you're a juvenile. So you need to know whether or not it's gone away by doing a criminal record check, going to your local police station, doing your fingerprints, and seeing what shows up. When you get that report that shows up, that will tell you definitively if you have anything that you might have forgotten about on your criminal record that could affect your ability to enter Canada. So this company had something like 30 people that had at least one, maybe more um, criminal convictions when they were 19, 20, 21, you know, that type of thing, drugs, mostly DUIs. And we had to do an assessment of all 20 of them to determine those who are eligible because they're American citizens for deemed rehabilitation at the airport to apply for TRP or make it go away, and those who had to apply at the consulate. It was a big project and successfully everybody was able to come in, but we had a lot of lead time. I always recommend at least six to eight months because government processing can take time. So if you have something urgent you need to come to, like in this case, a work situation, we were able to get them all here to meet those work requirements. If there is a case where the police did investigation, but there was no charges, then it's treated as no charge. There's no conviction, no charge. A police investigation does not make you inadmissible. You should do a check of your local records, usually fingerprint and picture and, you know, key personal identifiers to see if anything shows up on your record. You will know only at that point. But just being investigated does not mean you have a criminal charge or a criminal conviction. I think that um, for me right now, that's all I have. If you have more questions and you'd like to learn more or to ask specifically about your own situation, feel free to give me a call at 403-452-9515. Again, 403-452-9515. We'd love to help you smooth the way to Canada, the United States and hopefully get here without dealing with the surprise of finding out that you're inadmissible. Well, folks, that's the end of our podcast. I hope the information was valuable to you. Please do let me know if you have any questions. You can reach us at akalaw.com, A-C-K-A-H-L-A-W.com, or you can contact us by phone at 403-452-9515. Have a great day. Thank you.